Hello everyone and welcome to this podcast. I'm Tony Wickenden and I'm joined by my colleagues and friends Claire Trott and John Woolley and together we're going to have a look at the budget and in particular the changes that were proposed in the budget of relevance to financial planners. Now I think you'll all know that the lead up to the budget was full of debt effectively. What are we going to do about the government deficit? How much we owe? Surely tax is going to have to change to take some steps towards repayment. Now the Chancellor, along with the International Monetary Fund, the OECD and other such august bodies, were clearly of the view that we didn't need to do anything radical. Some might challenge that, but radical at the moment, and wait to get the economy back. So that was really that was really the background to it. So what did we actually get? Well, on, on the day, we did actually find that the Chancellor did make some steps, albeit slightly deferred in some cases, towards repairing the public finances. So I'd like to start with the headline that grabbed the attention in relation to stealth tax, in effect, the freezing of many of the allowances that we know and love, um, particularly the personal allowance. is frozen not at its current level, but at the level it was scheduled to be at in the tax year 21-22, so just another £70 more effectively, but then frozen until the end of 2026. The inheritance tax exemption, which I know John will talk about a little later, frozen till the end of 2026. The threshold for inheritance tax, the nil rate band effectively frozen until 2026, and the residence nil rate band. The CGT exemption, 12,300, not moving up, frozen until 2026. 26, the end of. So a lot of freezing. What does that, that mean for planning right now? Not much more than it does, in fact, not more at all the, the, than the, the planning that you do right now. It doesn't mean anything for it, but it does mean that there will be a lot more higher rate taxpayers over time because this change is going to end up generating £8 billion a year. And it's going to mean that by 20, the end of 2026, we are going to see one in six taxpayers being higher rate taxpayers or additional rate taxpayers which generally speaking means more people will probably be more interested in saving tax. You know, the higher the tax rate is, the more people are interested in saving it, right? And the other freeze that went on, we're thinking about tax and financial planning, was a freeze on the lifetime allowance, wasn't it, Claire? It was indeed, Tony. Um, So we were expecting the lifetime allowance to go up this tax year, um, uh, only by a very small amount, so just shy of £6,000, but that's not happening. We're freezing at the level that we're at now, so 1.0731 million. Um, You can remember that figure because we're going to be stuck with it uh, until the end of uh, 2025-26, so April 2026. What does that mean for planning? Well, I think it means to look at your clients who are at or around the lifetime allowance uh, and just see where you need to go, what you need to do, um, if there's anything at all. And in a lot of cases, there'll be nothing to do. So not necessarily changing your investment strategies, but maybe thinking about ongoing contributions and whether they should or shouldn't be made. Uh, And there's arguments for and against making contributions that will take you over the lifetime allowance for things like getting immediate tax relief um, and IHT planning. So there's no right answer as to whether you should or shouldn't exceed uh, the lifetime allowance. But things that didn't happen in the budget, um, it's again, we're not seeing any changes to the annual allowances for the good or for the bad. So the tapered annual allowance is staying and the levels of threshold income and adjusted income are remaining at 200 and 240. The MPAA is remaining 
uh, at the 4,000 um, and the annual allowance is remaining, uh, the standard annual allowance is remaining at 40,000. Um, and it's just worth considering that utilising all of those uh, allowances uh, is still really, really important. Um, and although nothing's changed with those, because we are seeing a freezing in the income tax rates. And as Tony said, going to push one in six people to be a higher or additional rate taxpayer in the future. By making pension contributions, you can reduce your adjusted net income and bring yourself back into possibly lower tax rates and taking all the benefits of making those pension contributions, such as keeping yourself out of the 60% tax band between 100,000 and 125,000 and possibly uh, getting back your um, child benefit for if you're between 50 and 60,000. So there's lots of things going on that we still need to deal with, even though there's been very, very little change in the budget regarding pensions themselves. Back to you, Tony. Thank you. Yeah, while well, we're talking about tax efficiencies in, on the sort of no-brainer category, of course, it's worth reminding everyone that we have no change to the ISA input limits, the JISA input limits, and we still have the dividend allowance with us at £2,000 and those lower rates once you get above the £2,000 dividend allowance. All relevant in relation to savings yeah. and investments. There's probably no better asset class that represents sort of the love of the British population for investment than property. And there were a couple of changes in relation to property, weren't there, John? Yeah, there were indeed. I mean, two, two major changes there. The first one was the introduction of a government-backed mortgage guarantee scheme for buyers who can only put down a deposit of between 5 and 10% on a purchase. So that's good news. This is subject to a limit of £600,000 on the purchase price. Um, the... Perhaps the bigger change, though, was um, in relation to the stamp duty concession that uh, currently exists, which means that um, there's no stamp duty on the first £500,000 of the purchase price of a residential property. Now, this was due to end on the 31st of March, and the government have now announced they will extend this concession to completions that take place before the 30th of June 2021. So that's a big relief for a number of people who are really up against it or were in terms of getting their house purchase completed by the end of March. Um, and indeed, the government have also announced a further concession in that there'll be no stamp duty on the first £250,000 of purchase price on those that complete between the 1st of July and the 30th of September 2021. Now, um, this applies to all purchases of residential properties by individuals. So this concession extends to purchases of second properties and indeed buy to lets. But of course there, you're still gonna get the 3% stamp duty surcharge. Um, and it's because of this fact that you can buy second properties and get this concessionary stamp duty treatment that we've seen an absolute surge in the number of mortgage applications. Indeed, in the last quarter of 2020, there was more mortgage applications than any time for the last five years. Um, the, the other key point to note here for the buy-to-let investor is this concession also applies when you transfer to a company. So you might say, well, why is that important? Why should a buy-to-let investor want to transfer his property to a company? Well, the reason is that the company will probably get more attractive tax treatment Certainly, you've got lower rates of corporation tax at 19% on rental income. 
and um, interest is fully deductible against that rental income before you work out the tax. So um, I think what we'll see is more people transferring their buy-to-lets to properties, uh, sorry, to companies over the next six months to, to make the most of this uh, current stamp duty concession. But they've also got to bear in mind that we've got some changes in corporation tax on the horizon, which I think we're going to come back to in, in a second. But in the context of a, a buy-to-let company, um, then you've got to consider, well, what rate of corporation tax will that company suffer? Now, the new rates of corporation tax um, apply to predominantly trading companies. So when we get into 2023, these changes will apply to trading companies, but they won't apply to um, close investment companies where the new rate of corporation tax will apply without limit. The good thing there, though, is buy-to-let companies will not be treated as close investment companies, and therefore they will benefit from the 19% pro proposed small companies rate from 2023. And don't forget as well, these corporation tax increases will also affect the capital gains of companies. So if you've got a buy-to-let in a company and you sell it and you realise a big profit, you may find that you're subject to high rates of corporation tax on that capital gain in the future. And of course, you've got to also factor in the tax cost of extracting cash from the company. So quite a lot to think about in tax terms when you use a company for a buy-to-let. I know Tony's going to talk a little bit more about this in a moment. Um, uh, Good news in the immediate future, but think about these other tax changes which are going to take place down the road. So, Tony, back to you there. Thanks, thanks, John. That's really, really interesting. It just reminds us of how we see a company used in, you know, beyond just it's a company, it does its trade, it generates some profit. But that use of a company to hold property, that's a really interesting set of facts to consider. Then we, we often get asked in, in, TC questions around corporate investment. Um, so change to corporation tax rate, which I will touch on in a second, that also has an impact. One thing to, to bear in mind, these increases to corporation tax, which I will eventually get around to talking about, do not apply to life insurance companies because the life insurance internal company rate on policyholder funds is linked to the basic rate of tax. So that doesn't mean that your your um, investment income and inside an insurance company, a UK life insurance company, will jump to the higher rate of tax when that comes in, if it comes in, in 2023. It is anchored to the basic rate of tax, so you'll still have those internal uh, life funds being taxed at 20%. So what are those changes? Uh, as John has indicated, nothing well-trailed in, in the budget statements is that we are going to see an increase. That's so another deferment that people may forget about until the time it arrives. In, in that by 2023, the financial year commencing 2023, corporation tax rate, the main rate will go to, so bear in mind now we're going to have two rates, it will go to up, up to 25%, quite a jump from 19. It will still make it relatively competitive in the G20 countries, apparently, because that's something the Chancellor definitely had in his mind. We don't want to diminish the UK's competitive status, especially as we're out of the club, as it were, the EU club. So that 25% was around the average OECD G20, apparently, okay, but quite a jump. But it only applies if your profits exceed £250,000. And also those limitations that John mentioned in terms of which rates apply to which companies. So for most trading companies, it will be if your profits exceed 
£250,000, the rate will be 25. If it's below 50000 the rate will be 19%, stay at its current rate. In between, there will be a sliding scale. Effectively, we'll probably see a re-emergence of that classic marginal relief. And Claire's already mentioned the importance of getting tax saving uh, by pension contributions. So making contributions that will qualify for what we expect to be a marginal relief in that area between 50 and 250,000 could be quite attractive. What, what th this means is that there is going to be no diminishment, I think, in the importance of tax planning for companies and their owners. And John mentioned the remuneration strategy, really, really important. To, and we, we need to do that every year to review that, how you take your money out of a company. That will become more important if we get a change in the corporation. Are those saying that by the time we get there, if the economy's done really well and as we're closer to the election, maybe that rate won't be introduced, but we'll have to wait and see at the moment. It definitely is going to be. The other two changes in relation to companies directly were the introduction of an extension of loss relief. So if you make a loss in the trading period ending between the 1st of April, any trading periods ending between the 1st of April 2020 and 31st of March 2022, you can carry that loss back not just one year, which is the current rule, for companies for three years and a similar rule but it's related to tax years apply to the self-employed so those that aren't are trading not through companies and then we had that wonderfully named super deduction basically an enhanced capital allowance for purchases and this is important of plant and machinery qualifying plant and machinery uh claire and i did a discussion recently does that include tables and chairs because of all of those masses of unused tables and chairs in offices will people want to be buying yeah it does and it includes computer equipment as well you know so that's that's qualifying, and it qualifies for 130% deduction. That doesn't mean what some maybe have thought it meant is sort of 130% tax relief. What it means is that the contribution that you make won't reduce your tax bill by 130% of what you spend. What it will do is reduce your taxable profits by 130% of what you spend, which will result in, in effect, just short of a 25p in the pound saving for every pound you invest. So say you had 100,000 to spend on qualifying equipment then the deduction that you can make is £130,000. And 19% of that, which is the tax you save on that deduction, is about 24700 so just short of 25p. So all of those things, quite important changes. Two of them immediate, the loss relief and the um, super deduction. One, down the track, higher corporation tax rates. What it all means, though, is it's really important to be at the centre of planning for your corporate clients. And, of course, the other thing that might grow for companies and individuals trading is, of course, the welcome extension of furlough through till September with a change in July uh, and the extension of the self-employed income support scheme and a, an extension to those who can benefit. Those who submitted a tax return in 2019-2020 can now apply if they satisfy all of the other conditions. All the detail on this is covered in, you know, is there in, in tech. But two taxes that we always look at in the financial planning sector and which are definitely specialist subjects for John, are capital gains tax and inheritance tax. So what do we know about changes there, John? Well, first with capital gains, we yeah, we had, we had huge speculation, didn't we, before the budget, that there would be changes here. I mean, this has been going on for about six months, yeah. and, and people were thinking that the, the rates of capital gains tax could in, increase because of the differential between them and the rates of income tax. Um, what we actually got was very little. We got a freezing of the annual exemption of £12,300 until the 5th of April 2026 and a similar freezing for the annual exemption for trusts, which is normally £6,150. So this is 
classic stealth taxation. It just means that people realising gains of, say, £15,000 wouldn't have previously been taxed in, say, the tax year 25-26, but they will now because they'll exceed the frozen annual exemption, which will still apply. So there's going to be more taxpayers caught. So I think what this does is just throw the emphasis onto tax planning now, making the use of the exemptions and reliefs that are available. It's probably even more important now to use your annual exemption each year. I mean, you can't carry it forward, so it makes sense to use it. Um, makes sense to use the, um, the annual exemption of all the members of the family, that's spouses, civil partners. If you're going to make transfers to, to those people so they can encash investments and use their CGT exemption, make sure you make unconditional transfers, no strings attached, so that the taxman can't treat it as an encashment by the original owner. Use bear trusts for children's investments because a child will get a CGT exemption under a bear trust. Use ISAs, obviously, including JISAs, because um, investments held within an ISA are not subject to capital gains tax. Use loss relief. If you've got losses which have arisen perhaps as a result of encashments earlier in the tax year when the stock market dipped, think about offsetting those losses against gains to maximum effect. And there are differences in the way you offset current year losses and carried forward losses. You've got far more flexibility over carried forward losses to only offset a loss which leaves you with a net gain equal to the CGT exemption. That doesn't apply with current year losses, so be careful there. And I suppose the other thing is remember bed and breakfast strategies. And we all know that people quite often like to crystallise gains but keep the same stock. Well, you've got to remember that you can't buy it back within 30 days if you're going to buy exactly the same stock back. So there, use bed and spouse, bed and ISA, bed and sip, um, I don't know, bed, two eggs and breakfast strategies. They're all there. So there's a lot of planning that can go into this. In terms of the future, um, we have, of course, got this Office of Tax Simplification report um, on the simplification and realignment of CGT. And of course, in that report, they talk about bringing CGT rates more into line with income tax rates and perhaps a reduction of the annual exemption. That report is sort of sitting on a Treasury Minister's desk somewhere. And I suppose the question is, will the government go back to that, possibly on Monday week, when they, they uh, release their, their command paper, um, which will be talking about tax strategy over the next 10 years, which won't be included in the finance bill. So, so that's capital gains tax, generally. Um, I don't know if you've got anything to add on that, Tony, about C what CGT strategies you think people should be adopting right now no i think you've, you've covered it perfectly i think we've we both had questions around um should i sell down my investments before the budget you know in case the tax rate goes up and i know some people did that probably ill-advised because it didn't go up in relation to the budget so people will probably be thinking the same again ahead of these papers that will be issued consultations in case they include something on cgt and in case the the start date for any eventual legislation that emerges, because it won't be in this year's finance bill, is anchored back to the start date of the, of the commencement of the um, consultations. Aside from that, I think you've, you've covered everything really well, as ever, John. 
And, um, you know, you, you wonder whether if the government have got in mind to increase the rates, it's obviously quite dangerous to flag that up in advance, isn't it? Because it means people will then take action. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens in that space. On the inheritance tax front, well, again, we've got a, a freezing of the um, the allowances. So the nil rate band is frozen at 325000 and that will be frozen until um, April 26, as will the residents' nil rate band at 175000 And that was due to increase by CPI each year. That, that will now be cancelled. So this is not surprising with the nil rate band, because that's been frozen since 2009. So, And that should be about £415,000 now if it had gone up by um, CPI. And it's quite interesting if you think about House prices in that period, they've gone up about 55%. The UK stock market's gone up about 80%. So you can see that this is just evidence of more stealth. More people will just be naturally dropping into inheritance tax because their assets have gone up in value, but the allowances haven't. The Office of Budget Responsibility reckon there's going to be a 20% increase in the number of estates subject to inheritance tax in this year. And that probably a bit of a result of the pandemic people dying without having done planning beforehand but more and more will now be dropping in because of the freezing of these allowances. Um, in terms of inheritance tax planning we did have that Office of Tax Simplification report at the end of 2019 um, which proposed a lot of reforms to inheritance tax some quite significant and again that paper is still sitting somewhere in the Treasury office. A lot of the reforms suggested there overlap with CGT. So the question is, will that paper now see the light of day? And will, you know, the, uh, the the command paper, which is coming up, address inheritance tax? I suppose if I was talking to clients now with that knowledge, I'd just say to them, plan now on the basis of the very favourable tax rules we've got at the moment. For example, the normal expenditure out of income exemption is something which has been flagged up in that OTS report as possibly needing reform. It's very, very favourable at the moment. There's no limit on the amount of uh, uh, gift that will qualify for the, the normal expenditure exemption if you satisfy the rules. So it could pay somebody who's got excess income at the moment to set up arrangements, create a pattern of giving now. Um, pets, that's a very favourable regime for lifetime gifts. If you're thinking about making a gift, might be worth doing it now. If you want control over the gift, use a trust. If you want income and control, use a DGT and a loan plan. So there's a lot that which is very favourable about the current inheritance tax regime. And that should encourage clients to take advantage of it if they are thinking about it anyway. Just bring those plans forward a bit. Otherwise, I think it's really going to be a question of wait and see. I suppose for the advisor, because more people will now be falling into inheritance tax, it creates a bigger market more demand for their services. And I think IFAs are in a way unique at providing advice on estate planning because they can combine some of the, uh, the planning that we've got available and match that to the client's circumstances in a way which sometimes other advisors can't do. So really, that's it on inheritance tax. So back to you, Tony, to talk about other changes in the budget. Changes. I mean, effectively, we've we have got. It's been said by some a budget of a budget of two halves, and we've had the first half basically, 
uh, with the budget on the 3rd. And the second half could come, may not, but could come on the 23rd with the issue of those consultations that John referred to. I, I looked back at the letter that was issued alongside the press release the Treasury issued announcing they would be starting these consultations. And it just said here that the Financial Secretary of the Treasury will, when these consultations are laid, lay a command paper, that paper that John referred to, called Tax Policies and Consultations, bracket spring 2021, I'm reading from it here, before the House on the 23rd of March, which will contain further announcements relating to tax policy. Ah, so maybe they will take that opportunity to review the future of tax, set a roadmap maybe. It says the command paper will include a number of consultations, most of which, so I stress most of which, will be published on the same day. Several, another key word, if we're trying to interpret a letter accompanying a press release, several of these consultations are an important part of the government's 10-year tax administration strategy, which got some to be quite relaxed, going, oh, it's tax administration, the digitising of tax, etc. But it only says several of these, not all of these. And as John mentioned, the fact that the OTS have been asked by two chancellors, Philip Hammond on IHT and Rishi Sunak on CGT, to actually review those two capital taxes, the fact that we've also had not a government body, but we've had that wealth tax commission report and a little bit of a conversation around wealth tax generally, that this might be an opportunity for the government to take a, a more global view of a reform of capital taxes in the round as opposed to individual capital taxes. And I'm not suggesting including wealth tax, definitely not suggesting that. But maybe a, a look at a more global review of IHC and CGC together. Who knows? Maybe nothing. Uh, we'll have to wait till the 23rd budget budget number two, effectively. So those things, both of those taxes would require, especially if you're doing a, a more global review, a bit more thought. So it will be absolutely right for consultation, as would probably be the case as me as a non-specialist on pensions. Okay. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think any significant changes that they would want to make in the future to pensions would require consultation. We've had consultations in the past and uh, the Public Accounts Committee last year actually looked at uh, tax relief and said, you know, we don't have enough information. You know, they have they looked at um, if the tax relief are driving the right behaviours? Um, should you, you should consider consulting on this? And the government came back in September and said, no, we've done consultations before. Um, and we're not considering doing anything uh, for, for the next 12 months. Um, but that doesn't mean they won't start a consultation or mute a consultation. As Tony said, the uh, the command paper said most will be released on the same day um, uh, or and several uh, will relate to tax administration. And, and you could sort of say some of the pensions areas are tax administration. So um, I'm not going to say never say never because um, – we often look at pensions and then they go away and then they come back and look at them. But if there's going to be um, changes, then they will need uh, consulting on. Uh, and this would be a time they would probably be looking at it because of the amount of tax relief that goes into pensions um, each year. Um, and so it, it often see is seen uh, as low hanging fruit um, that they can try and sort of nip bits off to to try and build up the uh, build up the budgets again. So we'll wait and see, um, but be assured we will be uh, looking at them in great detail uh, and commenting on them uh, where necessary. I think that will probably be all we would possibly see on the, the pension side. Do you, so are you we surprised, are. Claire, that there's been no announcement net the the net pay scheme for non-taxpayers and pension contributions? Well, there has been consultations on that. So there was a call for evidence 
on the back of that. Um, but I'm, it's again, a difficult thing, um, to, to find an answer to, uh, because there are so many schemes set up under the net pay arrangements where, as you say, low earners aren't getting their tax relief. Um, you could in theory force everyone into a relief at source scheme, which would mean everybody would get uh, tax relief, but that's a significant amount more administration for a lot of companies, um, and the pension schemes that they run than they have to do now because they just take it out before you pay tax, pay it over to the pension, and that's nice and easy rather than having to do tax reclaims with national insurance numbers and all the reporting around that. So I think, it again, it's uh, it's something that needs serious consideration to try and get the right answer. Um, and probably now the government's a little busy with lots of other things. Um, so I do hope they sort this because they will say there's lots of people missing out on that tax relief. But I think just scrapping net pay schemes would probably not be the answer um, to, to make it easier across the board. Um, so um, again, yeah, I am, I'm surprised we've not heard anything because it needs changing. I'm not surprised because it's a difficult thing to do. Yeah, I've just heard people say that perhaps that's been held back because it's going to it's going to come out as part of a package of other pension changes because it was expected that something would change on that before now, wasn't it? I think the government flagged it up as a as a potential problem a couple of years ago. But uh, anyway, so we'll have to wait and see on that, I suppose. So um, we we plan to hear about this command paper on what is it Monday week, isn't it, Tony, the twenty third. Yeah, 23rd of March, 20 days after the budget. Yeah, that would uh, be something to look forward to. Effectively, I mean, then don't let's look also forget, also forget with this, that's budget of two halves. We've also got extra time with the uh, next budget in autumn. Hopefully no penalties, thinking of. So plenty for us to look forward to in relation to tax change. Um, and that, I think, brings this to an end. Unless, Claire, John, want to add anything to the great insight you've already given? Thank you. Um, Nothing from me. John? No. You good? No, done. Thank you. Good, great. So, mm. so it leaves me to say thanks again to Claire and John for that brilliant insight to say that we will, as we've all indicated, try our best to keep you all up to date with developments and there will be developments between now and the next budget through tackling and to say to you all, stay well, stay safe and stay tax efficient. The content of this recording is strictly for general consideration only. No action must be taken or refrained from based on the content alone. Professional advice must always be sought. Accordingly, neither Technical Connection Limited nor any of its officers, employees or contractors can take responsibility for any loss occasioned as a result of any such action or inaction.